0: If you would turn in your Bible to um, our scripture today in uh, Isaiah, the the ninth chapter. If you don't have it, we'll put it up on the board, uh, on the screen behind you. But um, that's where we begin today, as we heard. And Father, we pray uh, that... This would be a time of advent. That this would be a time of coming forth out of darkness into light. That no matter what discouragement or difficulty we've been through, no matter what setback or suffering, Lord, that you can bring light even into the deepest darkness. We pray that this season would be a coming forth. Uh, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. It says in the second verse that the people who dwell or walk in darkness have seen a great light. 700 years before Christ's birth, the, the prophet Isaiah said to the people who were in darkness... Those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. There's a promise of those that, that are living in the land of the shadow of death. The light will dawn. For unto us, what was the dawning? What was the light? For unto us, a child will be born. Unto us, a son will be given. And you see, he will set up new governments. We've had bad government, and, and it's brought us into to, to such decay and despair, the, the people of Isaiah's day. Uh, they, they're groaning and crying out, and, and yet there, there's a dawning. Even You know, the darkest time is before the dawn. And, and, and he says there's going to be a, a new dawn, for a child will be born, a Savior a son will be given and this new government will rest upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. He'll bring us good counsel. He'll, he'll be a mighty God and eternal father, a prince of peace. You see, there was a promise given. And then uh, some 700 years later through after Jesus' death and resurrection, the apostle John wrote through him this same one, this Jesus, this Savior, all things were made, and without him nothing was made. Uh, in him was life, and his life was the light of men. And that light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. You see, the people of Isaiah's day were, were, were in darkness. W- what had put them in darkness? You know, we, at this time of year, we, we don't really talk much about the darkness We'd rather understandably speak of, of the light, the light of the menorah or the, the Christmas uh, lights. We, and yet the light came in Isaiah's day into a very dark world. They were in deep darkness. They were in need. They were in despair. And what was it? What was it? that the people were in such darkness from what what had happened to them you see in the days of Isaiah and Jer- Jeremiah the people uh, had brought really the misery on themselves everyone did they say what was right in their own eyes And Isaiah the prophet and Jeremiah and others were crying out, telling the people of coming judgment. And sure enough, the northern kingdom had been taken by Assyria. And now the southern kingdom, Judah, was in jeopardy. And what was it that they have done? It was just ongoing, unrepentant, willful disobedience. No matter how many times God reached out to them and spoke to them and tried to direct them, they wouldn't listen. And so Jude, uh, Isaiah warns the, the, the people of the coming judgment because of the moral decay and the corruption and the injustice and the idolatry. Babylon is coming. It's at our door. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Those who substitute darkness for light, says Isaiah. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes, who say, peace, peace. But there is no peace. For you have rejected the law of of the Lord of hosts and have despised the word of the Lord. And, you know, in fact, Babylon did come and, and, and took them. And, and you remember the story. They, they were led off from Jerusalem and changed to, to Babylon. And they were made slaves there. And they cry out to God, you see, after all this, this pain that they're now in. They cry out to God, enslaved in darkness. You see, it was some of the darkest hours in the history of Israel. It's inconceivable. How could such a thing happen to us after all this, after all the sacrifices of the generations that go back even to Moses? You see, they're forfeited. And they were in darkness and deep darkness. And yet, and yet... God had a promise. Even in the midst of the darkest of the dark, there's a promise that God had for them. God had a way out for them if they would but hear Him. You see, that promise that comes, and we quote so often out of Jeremiah, for I know the plans that I have for you. Sayeth the Lord, those those were words spoken to the people who were in deep darkness, who were in suffering. It was a ray of light into the darkness. Their are plans for your welfare and not for calamity to bring you a future and a hope. You see, it's the promise of the Lord, it's the light that brings us out of the darkness. And and God uh, is saying to the children of Israel, as He says to us, there's hope. Don't despair no matter how difficult and how dark. There's a plan that I can even use the suffering and the difficulty and even the, 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 the tragedy in a fallen world and turn it around. And bring good. You know, my wife, Suzanne, and I, we read this one-year Bible where it takes you through the Bible in a year. And it's amazing how many times as you read through the Bible... How God, he, 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 this is a cycle of history where, where uh, they, they turn from God and then they go through all of this. And then finally God, they, they, they won't listen to God no matter what. And finally they're, and they come back and then they're back into the, the same old, same old. And we look at them and we kind of laugh at them and say, you know, why couldn't they get it? But don't you recognize that we do the same thing. Can you say amen to that? We, God blesses us and we see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and then some things happen in a fallen world and we turn from the Lord and then we go through and we you know, say, I'm not... We have to go through this cycle and, 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 and God's trying to reach out to the people through Isaiah and Jeremiah and others and say, come out of the darkness. There, there is light. There is hope. There is a plan. There is a future. But they won't. There's a willful rebellion and disobedience. Despite his repeated longing and uh, you, know, you can feel the heart of God, He's spurned and rejected. You feel the heart of God, you know, even though he, they're faithless, he remains faithful and yearning. And, and we read in Isaiah 54, uh, God speaking like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even a wife of one's youth when she's rejected, says your God for a brief moment, I forsook you. But with great compassion I gather you up. In an an outburst of anger I hid my face for a moment. But with everlasting kindness I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. And the children of Israel at one point in Isaiah 49 uh, say, Well, the Lord's forsaken us. He's forgotten us. And God says back to them, Feel the heart of God. Can a woman forget her nursing child? and have no compassion on the son of her womb even these even though they my you may forget me i will not forget you behold i have inscribed you on the palms of my hands you see the heart of god you know back and forth and back and forth no matter how dark it got no matter how difficult it got god brought a promise it, it, it brought the, the, the promise into the darkness, brought them into the light. It, it brought them out of darkness. And the children of, of Israel hear this promise. Don't despair. And could it be today that no matter what you are going through, No matter what pain or darkness you're living in, whatever shadow is is overshadowing you, could it be that God has a promise in the midst of your darkness that can bring us out if we lay hold of it? But here's the point. We've got to lay hold of it. We've got to pay attention. We've got to recognize that God has a word. That God has a promise. And it's our responsibility, especially in darkness and difficult, to lay hold of of a promise, a word from God. You see, when we're going through a a dark time, we have to get a word from God. We've got to hold on to a word from God. Or we'll get a word from the world. Or we'll get a word from the enemy. And what you feed on, you and I become you see, the, 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 God was wanting them to, to pay attention over and over. Look what's happening. Discern the times and the seasons. Recognize. Connect the dots. Can you not see that there's a pattern here? You see, the, 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 the nation of Israel was like a great big object lesson through which God showed the people Again and again. And in the New Testament, they look back at the, the lessons. Don't you see how this is what happened and this led to this and this led to that? Can you not see what's going on? And connect the dots. You see, the, the Jews were not the only ones who understood. If you will go ahead and put that, that up. They, they, they weren't the only ones who understood that there was a cycle to history. Not only the, the history of the nations, but every one of us have a cycle. And the children of Israel had a cycle. And the Jews and the Greeks alike, they knew that pride goeth before a what? They, pride goeth before a fall, or go, goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. See, both the, the Greeks and, and the Jews knew how to describe what was wrong. The, the Greeks uh, explored that part of history. They, they, they understood the, the fallenness of humanity. They knew what was wrong, but they didn't know how to make it right. And so, you know, they had these plays that they would put on. And they would describe and explore this fallenness of, of human nature. And it was, their plays were called tragedies. They saw life as a tragedy. They knew what was wrong, the Greeks, and the, but they didn't know how to make it right. They knew that pride was, was uh, the road to disaster, but they didn't know the road out of disaster. Do you? They didn't know the way out of disaster. In our scripture today, out of John, the first chapter, he says, it's a mystery to them. It was hidden. The light, it shined in the darkness, but the darkness didn't understand it. They didn't know uh, the way out. Romans and the Greeks knew the road to destruction, but they didn 't know the road from destruction. do you? You see, God wanted his people to understand He wanted them to see it and so let me, let me backtrack to talk about this for just a second the The Greeks understood that that luxury or Or overindulgence led to a feeding of pride, and pride led to disaster. They understood that tragic part of of the cycle of history, but they didn't know the way to redemption. You see, it took God speaking to us through the prophets and the word of God to, to, to begin to understand redemption. Yes, luxury, God knows, leads to pride and pride to disaster. But disaster is not the end. It may, in fact, if you'll put the next part of it, it may, in fact, lead to to suffering. But crisis is an opportunity, says the Lord. Crisis is an opportunity to find something better. It's not just something evil and bad, it's an opportunity. It gets our attention. God wants them to pay attention, the children of Israel, to see that that their pride has has led them to to destruction. You're in great pain now, says the Lord. Allow that pain to lead you out. Allow the crisis to surface what needs to be healed. What needs to be forgiven, allow it to agitate and bring to the surface. Bring it to me, to repentance. You see, repentance is the way to life, says the Lord. And blessing, it's not some shame on you according to the Word. It restoreth our soul. Can you say amen to that? Has that been your experience when you come to the Lord he restores our souls he forgives our sins David you know King David even though he, he 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 with this cycle luxury pride disaster he was in great suffering Psalm 32 his bones cried out day and night thy hand was heavy upon me it, it sapped my strength like the fever heat of summer my life is being t-. then I cried out to the Lord in my suffering, and He heard me, and He restored me. The joy of my salvation created me in a clean heart, O oh God. And you see, later, listen, later, David could say, "Let the bones that thou have broken rejoice." Can you say that? Have you gotten to the point in your life where you realize that sometimes we really do need our pain? We hate pain. I understand that. But, but sometimes I've, I've learned through the things I've suffered according to the Word. Uh, you know, it's every once in a while I have recognized uh, that, that, Lord, you know, I really needed that. Now, don't say that while I'm going through it. Later. You know, I'm ashamed to say this, but I I can't think of many of the major lessons in life that I learned the easy way. We learn the hard way, don't we? We have to, to go through it. We have to be convinced that God's ways are better. I'm so grateful, though, I know, Lord, that I, I've needed my pain sometime to wake me up to the self-defeating things I was doing or saying. I needed to, to break off of me this denial that everybody else is at fault but me. I needed the motivation to, to do something different. Don't you understand, we get stuck in ruts? We need our pain. The children of Israel needed. If they're ever going to come into a place of blessing and blessedness, they needed their pain, they needed to see, you can't do it your way and be blessed. You've got to do it my way. These are the ways that lead to life. I can't bless your way. He wanted them to pay attention To understand, to discern, to connect the dots. Listen, why? Because he wanted his people blessed. He didn't want them just to suffer, he wanted their suffering to be redeemed. He wanted their suffering to produce something that wouldn't disappoint, that could be trusted. Romans 5, and not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations. Why? It's producing something. Knowing that our, produce, uh, our tribulation brings perseverance. And perseverance, a provenness of character. And proven character, hope. A hope that doesn't disappoint. Can't be taken from you. When we go through that fire. We don't keep going around and around the mountain, wasting our sorrows. We learn something. It produces something God wants in our life. My son, don't regard lightly the discipline, the training of the Lord. Hebrews 12. Nor faint when you are reproved by him. He's dealing with us. It isn't just the devil. God loves us for for whom, therefore, the Lord loves. He disciplines. He trains to be success. He scourges every son. Endure hardships as a discipline then. Allow the hardship actually to work something in you. You see the reference here. It, the sons uh, of the Romans were, they went to the gymnasium. They, they were trained in athletic competitions. They, they, I guess, lifted weights. They did all, they, they, were, they had a rigor to it. Why? They were preparing for war. They were preparing for the, the real life. The difficulties of life, Paul's uh, laying hold of, of those, th- those same things and putting it in a spiritual sense. you can't be passive and be victorious as a Christian in this day. You've got to have a rigor to it. You've got to accept some hardships and allow them to the, the hardships, endure hardships as a discipline, as training, that causes us to be ready and in shape for the battle. all discipline is for the moment, not joyful, but sorrowful, yet, yet, to those who have been trained by it, afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We all want the peaceful fruit of righteousness. But are we willing to go through the rigors? Second Corinthians 7, I now rejoice, says Paul, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God in order that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without any regret. The sting is taken out of it. It leads to salvation. For behold, what earnest this very thing, this godly sorrow is produced in you What vindication of yourself? What indignation? What longing? What zeal? See, that rigor produced something. I have no idea where I am. But I do know that the Lord... wants to use whatever you're going through. Now, you may say, well, wait a minute, preacher. I mean, are you saying that God likes suffering? Are you saying that God causes suffering? Not all suffering is punishment for sin. And not all suffering is deserved. What are you you actually saying here? Certainly, God is never the author of evil. And suffering can be bad. It can be experienced by those who deserve it the very least. Innocence. It inflicts evil on the soul, and it's contrary to, to God's will. But I've been amazed, having met with so many people over the years who had horrible things happen to them many times, not because of them, their own failure. I've been amazed how God... If we'll give it to him, if we won't hide it in the darkness, but we bring it to the light and say, God, would you would you take even these broken pieces and 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 use it? Could you, God. Will bring hope into darkness, a promise that if laid hold of, will lead you out of darkness into darkness. His wonderful, wonderful light. I'm closing with this. Perhaps you're here today and you are bitter toward God. You're disappointed with God because of some of your sufferings. Privately, no, you wouldn't tell anybody, but deep, deep down, you're very disappointed with God. You know, I've been at that place. In my life. How do you make sense out of your suffering. When you've, you've gone through something that is a total reversal. Some difficulty or tragedy even. You know all of us if we live in a fallen world are going to go through something. It's going to rent and wreck us somewhere along the way. And we're going to need A healer and a savior. At that time in my life, I became isolated and depressed. Clinically depressed. I've shared about that for more than a year. I had anxiety attack. I I was so bitter toward God and man. And it didn't get healed until I brought it into the light. You know, if you hold it, it has a way of, in the, in the darkness, it has a way of multiplying. But when you bring it to the light, I had to get honest at a gut level. I had to get out what really was darkness in my own heart and and really be honest with God. And you may say, well, I've got that in my heart. But what I do, you've got to find somebody. Yeah, God and somebody. Confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. Get it out, whatever it is. And, you know, just a sidebar here, there are places that you can do that. There are all kinds of small groups, men's groups, women's groups. We can do mentoring groups with an older lady. You want a recovery group to to get it out, there are those. There's a marriage enrichment group that's starting in January. There's a grief share group that's starting uh, first of the year. There are places you've got to get it out, though. And I wrestled with God in that particular time of my life and I, I stayed up and, 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 and yet I, I got a couple other guys stayed up and I've shared this before all night and, and wrestled with God and there was a lot of poison in my soul that I needed to be honest with God about. I didn't need to just tell him a a, a little prayers, now I lay me down. No, I needed to be honest. I needed to wrestle all night as Jacob did with God. And it wasn't pretty, and it wasn't G-rated. But I believe that God reckoned it to me as righteousness. I believe that God saw it as real worship, because I was getting out of my heart. What really was there, and that's what real worship ultimately is, is really being naked before God and saying, this is really what's in my heart, and I'm wrestling with you, but I, but, but, but I love you. You know, there's no intimacy without honesty. If you want God to be real to you, you've got to be real with God. God. And Lord, today, I remember the words of Job. Lord, where he he didn't know where you were. He couldn't find you, Lord. He says, behold, I go forward and you're not there and backward and I can't perceive you. But he knew. He said, but I know that he knows the way I take. And when he has tried me, I'll come forth gold you knew God had a plan and Lord I remember that Job's wife just said curse God and die and Job said no I know God has a plan I know that my Redeemer liveth and Lord I pray today that you'd find us here in this sanctuary And you'd bring us out of our darkness with a promise. No matter what we're going through, whether we're close to you right now or alienated from you. Lord, would you grant the ability to be honest. Perhaps life hasn't turned out the way we planned. We need to be honest, Lord, and get that out so that we can find in the midst of the darkness a promise. Sometimes your mercies are disguised. That what we want, when we want it, is not always what's best. Lord, we embrace that deeper work that you desire to do. Do that work, Lord. Conform us even to the image of our Savior. Redeem even our sufferings, that your name would be praised. Lord, we thank you for the hope we leave filled with hope because. You have brought light into our darkness through the promise. And we receive that promise with gratitude. And we share the goodness that comes from trusting you. We ask, Lord, even during this season, that we could share that good news. To the praise of your most holy name, we ask it. And all God's people said, Amen.